Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Friday, July 26, 2019. I'm your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. On today's show, we've got a few different sort of random topics here to talk about. We're going to uh, do a couple segments that I call just stealing other people's uh, interesting tweets um, and expanding on it. I'm going to do that. We got a tweet from Matt Sheehan uh, talking about the most stressful MSU experience and then uh, one from Tara Stafford, uh, two MSU Twitter staples, uh, those two, talking about your favorite Michigan State uh, game to go back and watch. And then uh, I had some thoughts earlier today that I threw out on Twitter and just wanted to kind of expand upon those here on the podcast. So going to start with that, and it's kind of... um, how last season played out and how that sort of plays into expectations for this season. So that is the plan for today's show. Should be a quick, uh, you know, I don't know, fast-paced type show. Uh, Hopefully not too much rambling by me, just kind of boom, 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 three quick segments and get you to the weekend. Uh, Today's show brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. Reminder to rate and review uh, the podcast if you have not done that. It helps. Uh, The algorithm says so. I don't even know what that means. I just hear people say it on podcasts, so then I say it on my podcast. Uh, But yeah, go to iTunes, give a five-star review. Uh, Subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast. Unsubscribe, resubscribe. Uh, Do that. Definitely uh, helps the show. And then... Like I always say, subscribing is the easiest way to get these episodes on your phone every single day. Uh, and speaking of that, so we're still, you know, we're coming to the end of the July here. We've got, uh, yesterday actually was the one month mark until college football kicks off uh, Miami and Florida. Uh, I believe it's August 24th. Uh, we'll get the season going that first weekend. And then there's a couple of games after that uh, on the weekend, less uh I don't know, interesting, less lesser names. I think Cincinnati plays. I'll probably, I'm not, probably, I will watch it because it's college football. Um, and then some games that, you know, next Thursday, Friday, and then that's when Michigan State opens up. So we're really, you know, we're getting there. We're a month and some change away from Michigan State football finally coming back. So that means we're going to start ramping up uh, the shows here. We're going to turn the page from summer uh, and start doing fall preview. You know, it's it's off season, and now we're in preseason. So starting next week, we'll start talking about uh, some things with the season. Uh, we'll get some more guests on to talk about, you know, expectations and what are the big hurdles and what are the most important things to be looking for and who's going to have, you know, who's the biggest X factor. Uh, just you, you know, your general preseason type buzz. Uh, f- football practice opens. In six days um, is when camp officially starts, and then a week from today, next Thursday, I believe it's next Thursday, is the first day of practice, so hopefully I'll be in East Lansing uh, next Thursday, and then the week after that, hopefully get out to a couple practices, get some sound bites, uh, see what I can. Usually it's just stretching. (laughs) You interview Mark D'Antonio, and then you watch them stretch, and then you leave. Uh, so we're not going to get too many insights to that, but you know, we'll, we'll get some sound out of it and we'll see if anything 
interesting happens if any players are sort of catching uh, the coach's eyes and, and who's getting some buzz and just sort of what the atmosphere is like. So with that, we're going to be shifting here, ramping back up to maybe not next week. We'll see. Uh, but for sure, the week after that, we'll be back to four episodes uh, for the, for a couple weeks there. And then the week before the first game of the season will be a five episode week. We'll do a full two lane breakdown. We'll go. Uh, we're going to have some people on here and go through the schedule, talk about you know, games that we can consider good chances to win, games that are going to be toss-ups, hard games. Um, you know, maybe I'll get some people in here to give some predictions. Uh, I don't do a ton of predicting. If you've listened to the show before, you know that. Uh, but we're going to go through the schedule and do some predicting and just kind of get ready for the season, do a broad Big Ten preview, uh, maybe talk to some other podcast hosts from different uh, schools and just kind of get a nice picture. I think I will be dropping. There's a new Locked on Big Ten show that I, I'm not sure if it's debuted yet or if it will be debuting soon, um, but I'll be jumping on that, I'm sure, at some point. So lots of stuff here uh, coming up as we start to really ramp up the production and get into preseason mode. Um, yeah, so that's that was five minutes uh, of homework there <laughs> before we even got into the show. Um Let's, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep going here. Don't need to take a break. I want to talk about this thread, uh, that I kind of put together earlier today and just go through it with you. All right. So, um, you can find me on Twitter at will underscore underscore Hunter one L two underscores. If you want to follow me on Twitter. And of course you can always find my work at spartanswire.usatoday.com if you want to read my written words. But, uh, I was just kind of thinking of, you know, last season, how it played out. And sort of how that always plays into what the expectations are this season. So it's not really, uh, it's an unscientific slash predictable, almost somewhat scientific thing. Preseason polls, uh, media projections, you know, predicting who's going to win each conference. It's basically who won 9, 10, 11 games last year and returns uh, 16, 17, 18 starters on both sides of the ball. That's it. And, you know, pedigree and where coaches, if it's a, a big time coach and he's coming into his third season, everyone's like, Oh, now's the time. Uh, because that's just sort of the way things work. And so it's not a surprise that Michigan state is sort of in and out of uh preseason top 25s. I've seen them at 22nd uh, on the NCAA. They were out of bleacher reports. USA Today comes out next week. You know, they may or may not be in there. They'll, they might be receiving some votes. And that's kind of understandable given, you know, how last season finished. And if you go back and look at the last month and a half of games, uh, it got really ugly there uh, at the end. And you know, we've gone over that ad nauseum and I was just kind of thinking, you know, if it weren't for just an excessive, uh, here's how I said it, an aggressive outlier season of injuries on offense, Michigan State probably wins nine games last season uh, with the potential to win 10 or more. Um, the Nebraska and Oregon games are, are wins. Uh, if you replay that season a hundred times the, and, and you get the same defensive performances, which isn't the fairest thing to do, but it, let's just we're judging the offense and the the how things could have swung on that side of the ball. If you get those same defensive performances against Nebraska and against Oregon in those games a hundred times, I think 
you know, if you replay the season a hundred times, Michigan State wins like 94 of those, 92 of those with those defensive performances. Uh, the things that take them down are extreme injury situations, games of really bad luck. And that's kind of it because in terms of talent and, you know, the the starting 11 for Michigan State on offense on opening day last year, uh, that group by season's end should have been able to put up a couple of touchdowns on Nebraska and a couple of touchdowns in Oregon at minimum, right? Though These are extreme outlier situations where 10 of 11 opening day starters missed uh, games last season, uh, like nine guys on the offensive line missed time. Everyone in the receiving group missed time. Uh, I think Connor Hayward, or no, Connor Hayward missed, I no, that's right, Connor Hayward stepped in for LJ Scott, who missed time, that's right, LJ was the opening day running back. There's so many injuries, you forget who was the opening day starter. Uh, and I think, uh, I don't even remember who, but there was one player who played all the games, uh, and it, you know, that is uh, just an extreme situation, extremely bad luck with injuries. And if Michigan State merely has just like, mediocre luck with injuries they lose uh four starters five starters throughout the season four or five starters half their starters miss games which is still bad injury luck you know maybe they're able to keep it together maybe the offensive line gets a little bit more cohesiveness you're not playing your sixth seventh eighth receivers on the depth chart you're running back depth chart isn't going into the the third or fourth guy and then you're giving the ball to a backup linebacker on a handoff against Nebraska in the 10th game of the season like these are extreme extreme situations so Michigan State reasonably with the defense that they had very easily could have won nine games last year and you know you look at the Northwestern game where the offense really just faltered uh, in the biggest spots. You look at the Michigan game, the the 94 total yards of offensive quarterback playing with a hurt shoulder, uh, bringing in a backup quarterback in just a terrible spot. Uh, the way Michigan scored, they had one long touchdown pass, two other touchdown drives that were extended on third and long plays that were completed off of tipped balls, like the ball tipped up in the air and so on for Michigan, came down for a first down. Both of their touchdown drives... Uh, like you, know, just the the luck in that is just terrible for Michigan State, and uh, you look at Ohio State the way the defense handled them despite being put in awful field position the entire time. Just even a modicum of competence, and Michigan State gets nine wins last season and can probably get one of Northwestern, Arizona State, Michigan, and, and Ohio State. The, I don't think the offense even with you know, full health was going to be at a point where Michigan State could win 12 games last season. The defense was certainly at that level, but I think it's kind of too much to ask. Uh, they would have had to been perfectly healthy and just things going a little bit better. Um, but it's still, uh, like a 10-win season was not out of the realm of possibilities for them. Almost a repeat of the year before uh, with some bad injury luck. And if that was the situation, you know... Michigan State coming into this season, coming off nine or ten wins, returning everyone on, you know, returning nine guys on defense, returning, uh, what is it, nine guys, eight or nine guys on offense, uh, the skill talent they have at receiver, the quarterback, 
that they've had uh, who's shown the ability that, you know, they're replacing a tight end, but they're bringing in two guys who are far more talented just in terms of recruiting ranking uh, and pedigree. And then, you know, you've got a stable of backs in the backfield, uh, you know, a variety of skills there. Like it's, there's tools there to be an average to above average offense. And if you're looking at that objectively and bringing all that back, coming off a nine or 10 win season, you know, that's a team that is a preseason top 15, top 20 ish team, like locked into the top 20, getting as high as like 12, 12 to 20, somewhere in that range. That is going to be, especially with people seemingly being down on Ohio State, um, people would look at Michigan State as one of the favorites in the Big Ten East instead of third or fourth dog, depending on how teams or how media or whoever you talk to feels about Penn State. Like right now, it's Michigan's the favorite, Ohio State's right behind them, and then there's a gap, and then it's Penn State and Michigan State. And I think people who aren't as familiar with Michigan State and what happened last season are just looking at the results and judging it off that. And I don't blame anyone for doing that. That's how a lot of people go about their business in this industry. They just do sort of the bare minimum uh, and don't look into it much further than that. They have an idea like, oh yeah, Michigan State really struggled on offense. Some guys got hurt uh, and it just didn't go well for them, although they have a really good defense. And you don't look in to see how many of the, like the entire starting lineup from opening day missed time, how many injuries even beyond that to depth guys. Uh, and it's just, you know, injuries being the number one cause, I, I believe, for what happened. And then you say, oh, well, they didn't even get a new coordinator. They just shuffled positions. How weird is that? And it's kind of a, it becomes like a joke situation. So I understand where Michigan State is at right now, reputation wise, but it's kind of, it's when you look back on it and just say, man, with just bad injury luck, not terrible catastrophic injury luck like they had, with just bad injury luck, a bad injury season on offense, that Michigan State team wins 9 or 10 games and they come into this season with some expectations. But I'm actually, you know, now that we're through last season, I'm, I'm kind of okay with where things are sitting right now. You're returning 9 of 11 starters, um, or 8 of 11 starters, but really on defense on the the second best defense in the country last year in S&P plus you're returning eight of 11 starters there and the three guys that you're replacing uh the two guys in the defensive backfield like you've got really good guys behind them the linebacking group has really uh got a lot of talent there and it's you know you're I'm not worried about whoever steps into the starting line uh backer role for Dowell uh I I think whoever does it whoever ends up winning that job is going to do a great job whether it's you know, Antoine Simmons, uh, Just Lord Boateng, uh, Brandon Boyer-Randall, uh, Chase Klein. Uh, there's a bunch of guys there that are really good football players and are going to be good football players for Michigan State. Tyreek Thompson's going to be a steady force there and there, and you, of course, got Joe Bocci. So I'm just not worried about that. And, and looking at this team coming back with most of the best uh, defense Michigan State has had, maybe aside from 2013, and a bunch of talent on offense with hopefully some wrinkles added in the offensive scheme, a little bit of an update, and some better injury luck. You know, Michigan State can absolutely make their way through the season and should be one of the favorites for the East, but they're not going to be, and I think that's just fine. Michigan State likes to be under the radar, they like to be underrated, uh, and they like to be really good and defy expectations, and I think they're perfectly set up to do that this season. All right, let's take a break right there. When we get back, we'll talk about the most stressful game I've ever watched or stressful games I've ever watched uh, that involve Michigan State. 
You can get Locked On Spartans on the brand new podcasting app Himalaya as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts, you can find the show. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Spartans. All right, welcome back to segment two of today's Locked On Spartans. So Matt Sheehan uh, at Sheehan underscore Sports on Twitter, friend of the show, MSU Twitter legend, uh, tweeted out. Something earlier today that kind of uh, made the rounds on MSU Twitter and had a bunch of people diving in. Uh, just, you know, basic question. What's the most stressed out you've been watching an MSU sporting event? Um, so here's a bunch of, uh, I'll just go through some of these responses. Uh, the Syracuse basketball game, of course. Uh, there are three. This is from Josh Pranger. The drive against Iowa. The Ben Carter game. And the Michael Geiger windmill game. Um Oh, our, if you know Matt and I do the podcast, The Three Gas Bags, our other co-host, Paul Costanzo, is a Notre Dame fan. He just posted a picture uh, from Little Giants. That was a, a tough one for him, I'm sure. Uh, Big Ten Championship game from 2013, the 2019 Bradley game, which is a great response, which is, I didn't think of that one right away, but when I saw that one, I was like, yep, that was absolutely terrible. Um, both games against Virginia in the NCAA tournament, the Sweet 16 in 2014, and the round of 32 the year after that, those were both like tournament games against Virginia are absolutely horrible to watch. Like, it's like, I remember the Sweet 16 game in 2014, I was watching at my house and I was moving from furniture to furniture, not for like luck, shaking it up, superstitious or anything like that. I just couldn't sit still. I was just walking around like say like it's just so frustrating because you get down six at some point and you feel like you're dead. You like you're just dying a slow, horrible boa constrictor death. And that's just what playing Virginia's like. And then in the tournament where you're losing you you're done. It's just those are grueling, absolutely grueling games. Um the Duke game last year was uh pretty stressful. The Yukon game in twenty fourteen. Uh, the Louisville Elite Eight game. There are a lot of basketball options here. Some other football ones. Uh, Iowa Big Ten, uh, 2015 Big Ten title game. Uh, trouble with a snap game. Uh, let's see here. Some more. Um, 2016 Middle Tennessee. Yes, uh, that was incredibly stressful. I didn't actually watch that game. I was traveling and was listening to it on the radio. And... Uh, I don't know if it would have been better or worse on TV, but I know it was awful on the radio. Um, my wife was driving. I was in the passenger seat, and I was just not having any fun uh, at that point. The 2015 Elite Eight is a good one uh, because you're coming off the Duke win in the Sweet 16, and then the Kentucky game going into those overtimes is just like, oh, my God. Uh, 2015 Ohio State, another mention for that. Um, let's see. The, t- the football Notre Dame uh, make plays, John, John L. Smith running the triple option in Hurricane Katrina. Um, let's see here, some more Syracuse game. Oh, so, um, you know, Duke Elite Eight this season. The Rutgers game from last season is another good underrated one. I don't know. I'm just sorry. I'm just going through all these just to give you an idea, all the ones that you kind of think. Uh, and I was thinking about this, and after long consideration, I think – the the Bradley game from this past season in the first round is going to be on my... I'll do a 1, 2, and 3 here. That'll be third for me. That's a bronze medalist. That game was so stupid. Um, going into it, I was horrified because of Syracuse, because of Middle Tennessee State. 
because Michigan State had been, you know, it had been four seasons without March success, and there were so many expectations, and just as that game got going and going, and it's just Michigan State wasn't pulling away, and Bradley got out to a hot start, and it was just like, oh no, here we go again, uh, and that thing was two hours of just pure, absolute fear. Um, after that, silver medalist trouble with the snap game that was such a frustrating game because I felt like Michigan State outplayed Michigan for the majority of that game Michigan got um like not that they the rest were on their side or anything like that or Michigan State got job but just like a couple 50 50 calls went Michigan's way that were really crucial calls like uh, you know I believe tend to believe that bad calls even out over the course of a game but Michigan's at that game it just felt like the bigger moments the bigger plays were going the way their way like we would get a a 50-50 call but it wouldn't mean much and they would get a 50-50 call and it would be the difference between a touchdown and a field goal and so that thing was so stressful Um, and by time trouble with the snap happened I was just completely defeated sitting on the ground in my house uh, just sad Totally sad. You know, Michigan State had outgained them. I thought they had outplayed them for the most part. The biggest difference in the game was Michigan's punter uh, until that final punt was absolutely outstanding this game uh, and just did a great job pinning Michigan State back, getting Michigan out of really tough spots. And that's really frustrating too when it's something like that where you're like, we're better than them and their punter is just having the best day of his life and keeps bailing them out and it just keeps happening over and over and over again and you just feel inevitable. Uh, but of course that flipped. And then my gold medalist is the 2015 Big Ten Championship game. Uh, you know, that game was certainly stressful. Going into it was stressful. Uh, but the drive was the most stressful thing ever. 19 plays, 782 running plays, uh, gaining 93. I don't even know the numbers. Like 19 plays, 90 yards or something like that. 14 of the 19 plays were runs or 15 of the 19 plays are runs quarterbacks got a hurt shoulder uh you're playing Iowa and you're like we had how are we not beating Iowa we're better than Iowa all we have to do is win and we go to the playoff how come we can't do this and it just the whole game was a horrible stress-filled experience and then just watching them slowly, methodically move down the field. And I didn't believe they were going to score the winning touchdown until LJ Scott reached over the goal line. I didn't think for a second. Like, I was just like, they're not, something's going to go wrong. Something's going to get screwed up. Uh, and I didn't believe it until LJ reached over the goal line for that touchdown. That is, uh, that's my gold medalist right there. That was crazy, crazy stressful. Um, and yeah, just. I, I'm glad I wasn't in the building because I would have been absolutely dying every single minute of that game. And it's so funny because I just don't get like that with any sports aside from Michigan State uh, football and basketball. And it's just like moments like had they lost that Big Ten championship game 10 minutes after I would have been totally fine. I just like I let sport results wash off my back so easily uh, like the the college football playoff, like halfway through the third quarter, I was like, well, Alabama is just way better than us. We weren't going to beat them. What a fun season this was. And like, I'm good. Uh, But that big 10 championship game within that moment, within those moments, I'm just not like that at all. I'm like, oh my God, I get so stressed out. And so that was certainly the one that took the cake for me. 
All right, let's take a break right there. When we get back, we'll talk about uh, the opposite, the most fun uh, watching Michigan State play. Remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to subscribe to Locked On Spartans in the new Himalaya Podcast app. Uh, you can also get this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Find and subscribe to Locked On Spartans. All right. Welcome back to segment three of today's Locked On Spartans, last segment of the week. Let's finish it up strong. Uh, this comes courtesy of Tara Stafford on Twitter, at Tara Stafford, another great MSU Twitter follow. If you're not following her, do it. Uh, perfectly con- con- <laughs> perfectly contrasting uh, Sheehan with his negative Nancyness. Uh, Tara asked earlier today, what is your favorite Michigan State win that you like to rewatch? She said hers for sure is the Michigan versus Michigan State game in 2013. Um, that is absolutely up there. Uh, some other nominations here. 2017 Penn State game, which was really fun uh, now that we know the results. Uh, 2013 and 2014. Uh, 2015, uh, really, 2013, 14, 15 U of M games in football. Uh, all the basketball games from this last season against Michigan uh, are super fun to look back on. The Baylor Cotton Bowl game, because that thing was just awful, and then it was amazing. Um, the fourth quarter, you're, you're probably not going to find much better Michigan State football than that fourth quarter. Um, but my, uh, the Rose Bowl, of course. Um, but mine uh, is for, I mean, it's a big game, and it was a really important game, and it went really well. Um, but I have a different sort of reason for picking it. My favorite Michigan State win that I like to rewatch is the 2013 Big Ten Championship game against Ohio State. Uh, And my reasoning is that I think that game, those 60 minutes, uh, are the best 60 minutes Michigan State football has ever played under Mark D'Antonio. They didn't, you know, it's 2015 against Michigan, the trouble with the snap, uh, although I thought Michigan State was the better team. Michigan won that game. Michigan was winning that game. Michigan State got the luckiest, flukiest play ever, and it was amazing. But they were totally bailed out by luck. Uh, they got pretty lucky against Ohio State that year, just in terms of uh, the weather conditions and um, just like the game plan for Ohio State and the way that uh, Ezekiel Elliott wasn't properly used in that game. And they did a great job. They handled those elements better than Ohio State. And Michigan State always like for. All the things we complain about, Michigan State always just seems to handle weird things better than everyone else. They're just really always mentally tough most seasons, um, but there's still some luck involved with that. Getting Ohio State to kind of have an off night and the weather to be, you know, more conducive to a Michigan State win. Um, you know, there's some luck involved in some of these big wins for Michigan State. The Baylor game involved a little bit of luck too, with them just kind of coming off the gas and they were getting. Uh, you know, Michigan State's getting throttled, and then you get a field goal block and some plays here or there. Um, not to say that it's all luck, but, um, you know, that was an even game, and Michigan State was really, you know, up and down in that type of game. The 2013 Big Ten Championship game, you know, remember Ohio State was number two in the country uh, that year. They hadn't lost yet. Had they won that game, they were going to the national championship game. They were absolutely loaded. That was such a good Ohio State team. And it was a really good Michigan State team too. 
And I thought in that game, Ohio State played well. They didn't, it was, you know, it's in a dome. There's no weird weather situations. It wasn't anything funky. But for 60 minutes, Michigan State just kind of beat the hell out of Ohio State. Like, we're just better than them at football. And that's not something that happens much between Michigan State and Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State generally always has the talent advantage, and Michigan State's able to win some games here or there because they're still really good and they're scrappy and they make big plays and big moments. But that 2013 game was just a superior Michigan State team beating up an Ohio State team. And it was close. It was a good game and that Ohio State team was loaded with players and they were going to make plays and they were going to play a really good game. And I thought they did. And I thought the entire time watching that, like just, I was just like, Michigan State's just better than Ohio State. Like they are just really not, they're not handling them completely, but they're really kind of doing what they want out there. They're making plays in the passing game. They're starting to open up running lanes and they were getting after the quarterback and they were getting Carlos Hyde down in the backfield and they were doing a lot of really good stuff and making Ohio State uh, have to go three and out and have to drive really long drives and were limiting explosive plays and getting explosive plays on their own. Like they were freaking awesome. That that I, I I don't know. maybe the Rose Bowl after that, but like those sixty minutes were the best sixty minutes of Michigan State football um, that I can remember them playing. You know, maybe the the Michigan game that year comes up to it in terms of just pure domination. But that Michigan team was down and out. Brady Hoke was on his way out. Um, well, not quite yet, but you know they were supposed to be good, but we learned they were incredibly flawed, and they didn't have the greatest season after that. Um, they were a little bit banged up. It just was, it was an okay Michigan team, but they weren't really good. Ohio State was really good. They were number two in the country. They were undefeated. They were going to the national championship game to square off with Florida State uh, or Alabama, depending on who won that Iron Bowl, which Auburn won on the kick six. But like Ohio State was great that season and Michigan State absolutely just straight up beat them. We're just better than them at football for 60 minutes and that is something that doesn't happen all the time with Michigan State they beat teams but they don't always put in great performances for the full 60 minutes they're up and down they get out ahead on a team or they get behind and they have to come back but that game Michigan State was just better from the jump um, and it was absolutely so much fun to watch in the moment because it felt to me at least like this is happening like we are absolutely beating Ohio State in this game and then looking back on it you just get to kind of sit and appreciate because there's no doubt and you just get to see the big plays happen and just watch your team be awesome one of the best teams in college football like that team was a top two or three team in the entire country that season and they played like it for the last couple of games of the year uh, and that Ohio State game was just really special. So that 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 one for me is the most fun to go back and watch because of just how freaking good they were. Like I don't know if they'll ever be that good at football again, um, but they were that season and that game was the the perfect encapsulation of that. All right, that's gonna do it for today's show. Thanks so much for listening to today's Locked On Spartans. Like I said earlier in the show, we're going to start ramping things back up here soon. Three episodes next week, and then the week after that, we'll be back up to four for a couple weeks. And then the week leading up to the Tulsa game, we will do five episodes, full previews, all that good stuff. Definitely looking forward to it. We're getting closer 
and closer to college football being back in our lives. Uh, remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Gift tournament is still going on at uh, Spartans Wire, spartanswire.usatoday.com to check that out. It's been a lot of fun, some good responses. People are really uh, enjoying it, a lot of votes coming in, and that's been really cool to see. So uh, keep doing that. Uh, the voting will end for most of the regions tonight at midnight, and then I'll let the the green and white regions go another day, and then I'll start uh, writing up the uh, second round, which will be posted on Monday on Spartans Wire. Um, and we'll do the second rounds Monday and Tuesday, uh, third round Wednesday, and then the championship at the end of the week. So definitely check that out. Again, thanks so much for listening to today's episode and listening all week. We'll be back next week with more episodes of Locked on Spartans. Until then, go green.